Welcome to Beyond the Pen, the podcast that delves into the untold stories of emerging authors and the literary world. I'm your host, Maccabee Griffin, and each week I'll be shining a spotlight on talented yet undiscovered authors, giving them a platform to share their incredible stories and unique journeys that brought them to the world of writing. In each episode, we'll deep dive into the story behind the story, exploring the inspirations, challenges, and triumphs that have shaped our guests' literary careers, and have some fun along the way. From the initial spark of an idea to the journey of crafting and publishing their books, we'll uncover the secrets that make their stories truly special. But that's not all. Once a month, we'll be joined by an expert from the publishing world who will share invaluable insights and advice for aspiring writers, answering your burning questions, and demystifying the path to success in the literary industry. At Beyond the Pen, my mission is simple, to entertain, educate, and encourage the next generation of great storytellers. So whether you're a writer, an avid reader, or simply someone with a passion for storytelling, Join us as we venture beyond the pen and celebrate the power of the written word. Lord, this is the way that everything is just starting. I'm not even editing these little bar, these little pizza pieces out. I can't even talk right now. That's how much of chaos is just taking over this show. Between Chelsea and myself, and then adding Edward onto that. By the way, we're definitely going to have him on again uh, later on. I'm telling you, this is the things that we don't have recorded would make you guys rolling in the aisles because it's that much of ridiculousness that's involved in this. Anyways, hello, everybody. We are back. We are here. We are live. And I'm here with, of course, Miss Chelsea Rice and our guest, Mr. Edward Miskey, who wrote the book, Cancer, Musical Theater, and Other Chronic Illnesses. Now, when you're looking at this, you may think, Cancer, musical theater, chronic illnesses really don't all go together. But when you read it, you will definitely understand the reasoning why it is called the way it is, because it is hilariously. How can I put this? For something that is so dark, it has a sense of entertainment and humor to it that gets you through it and understanding that, yes, this was a bad thing that this gentleman went through. However, the way that he tells it makes you question whether or not you should be laughing or not. Even Chelsea at one point was saying, this is funny, but no, um, I don't know. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really, really bad because luckily it got, you know, our, our last one got a little messed up because I had said how terrible of a story it was that it was great and i was like no 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 that wasn't what it was the, the story is terrible but the story is really good and then i was like no no that's terrible because you don't want to say everything that happened was good but then you don't it's definitely an experience of a lifetime it's it felt like as you're reading it he created his entire own genre to put this in there is not something that it fits in that would adequately describe it in any way shape or form so you have to get it you have to read it and just trust us on this one. If you trusted us on any of the other ones, just forget those, throw those out, grab this one because I promise you it is worth it. It has everything. You will laugh, you will cry. You will actually question your sanity, whether or not you should be laughing or crying at this. But anyways, we will go ahead and bring on the showman himself, the half-brained deviant himself. <laughs> Hello, Edwin. You guys got to check out the YouTube because you have to see. He does. Can I unmute now? <laughs> <laughs> Yay. I'm here and, and fabulous. I'm going to share all of his fun stories with us again. This is take two <laughs> because Mac messed up. Take two. Listen, it's fine. It's all fine. I think a second, a second round is always, um, 
We got the hiccups you know, out last time. Fun. We did all of that. Just do all the shenanigans. We did. <laughs> I love. Yes, there was a mistake on my end. Sadly, the, the programming that I was using is still new. And unfortunately, my laptop would not allow it to record on my end. So it still had their stuff. You would just hear a lot of blank space between those two talking. So there's going to be some little outtakes probably of that going out here and there, just of those two, just so we don't lose all that. I mean, it's a it's a great blooper reel. Oh, it's a pretty it solid blooper reel from last There's time. There's a lot of stuff that you're like, hmm. Well, you're into it. <laughs> this isn't appropriate <laughs> for this audience. We have, we have a nice stretch of people. So since we already love and adore you, why don't you tell everybody, because Mac messed up, just who you are and what you do. <laughs> it's going to be the title of the episode, isn't it? Mac messed up. <laughs> the story of my life. I love it. I love listening to podcasts and hearing where they got the title idea from. Um, if not all podcasts do that, and like, but I love the cleverness of it all. I'm doing. I literally just launched a podcast with my friend and my producing partner, Sarah, Seeds, and it just went up today. Um, called "I Want to Be a Rich Bitch," and uh, episodes one through seven just went up today. And uh, yeah, they're everywhere. Soon, we're working out the RSS feed stuff, but like. You know, go go listen, like, and love me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm an author. I'm an actor. I've lived in New York City for the last 18 years. And um, I've done a lot of um, creative creating and producing of things here in the city. At one point, I had a, a concert that toured around the country called Baritoned, uh, does Broadway's Leading Ladies. It was so fun. It was like three giant bearded men that sang all of the leading lady repertoire from Broadway. And it was choreographed. And we went all over the country. It was so fun. Um, you know, and then of course I have, I have my book among other things, but that is, um, you know, me in a nutshell and, uh, yeah. And here we are. <laughs> I just feel a little betrayed because it took take two for you to tell us you're in something called baritone where three giant bearded men went around singing and and dancing. And I just feel like maybe that is a musical I would have gone to. Yeah, well, because again, revisiting the fact that Chelsea isn't human and doesn't like musicals, so you know that's um. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was really fun. It just kind of came. Um, my friend, uh, my old friend Joe, who helped me start it in a big way. Um, he he had these headshots done that were just ridiculous, and like he he had outtakes that were ridiculous, and one of them was like someone on the set of the photo shoot had like a makeup brush on his face and he just had like this very ornery look on his face. And I was like, "Oh my god, that would be really funny if it was a series and it was a show, like a series of photos and it became a show." And I was like, "Oh no, that's what we're doing." And so I contacted him and a couple other guy friends that I knew um, who were about my size and we just kind of threw the show together with my friend Dan Pardo who's Broadway's Dan Pardo he's brilliant he's an arranger and music director um, amazing piano player I've known him since I was like 13 14 years old he's such a star and uh, we made all these fun little like medleys and mashups of Broadway's leading lady stuff and we were doing like kick lines and twirls and spins and we were like picking each other up and throwing each other on the stage like it was so fun recordings of this oh yeah if you look up on youtube there's a bunch of videos i have a ton in the archive that i might throw up at some point but it was a lot of fun we had we our Mencken melody was my favorite because it was a uh, little mermaid beauty and the beast and little shop of horrors all in one song and it was i got to sing ariel of course um because why would i not give myself that part <laughs> It was so fun and like it was so well received outside of the city, which we were kind of worried about, you know, like we went to Minnesota and we went to New South Southern New Jersey and we went to like parts of uh, Southern California and we were a little worried that it wasn't going to like resonate the same outside of New York, not just because like, you know, it was super camp, but because there, it was very heavy on the musical theater. And once you leave New York, like, it's a different conversation. You know, it's like, oh, I've seen Phantom of the Opera. And we never did Phantom of the Opera. So it was kind of like, you know. But it, it it resonated so well. And we just had such a good time doing it until we weren't. And then, you know, like, right about when we were starting to pull, like, pick up some traction by doing conferences. Like, you go around the country and you perform at conferences. And then people hire you from that showcase. 
um you know we were we just finished one in january 2020 and then one of the guys who was a swing in he passed away he had a blood clot that Mm -hmm. killed him uh from a surgery and then everything shut down and like i'm still not over his death because i didn't have time to like deal with it because it literally was like he died this week and then the following week everything shut down um so we were lucky to even have a memorial for him but he was one of the most talented people that i've ever met looked like henry cavill like australian henry cavill every time i see henry cavill on tv or something i like i'm so taken aback because it looks so much like him and it's just this very surreal feeling um but yeah it was it was a lot of fun to do while it lasted and uh you know maybe we'll resurrect it one day but in the meantime i have some really great footage to look at to reminisce. I, i'm gonna i'm gonna look it up and then i'm gonna just start randomly uploading it to my socials and just be like oh my god look at this cool clip i found oh my god yes. <laughs> like, look at how, how nifty this is i love it it's super awesome yeah and we had like at one point we had like I know a, I learned last time you yeah, guys told me one, you gotta like do the, oh yeah. my god jazz hands there you go you got it <laughs> um at one point at one point we had like a disco medley at one point we had a Christmas medley it was just like so much shenanigans <laughs> it was so fun well that's that's pretty par on brand for you you know considering what everything they went through yeah. compare and then before and after the cancer treatment and all this other stuff. How long have you been uh, cancer free? Um, it'll be uh, almost. It's about ten and a half years right now. October is my October is my ten year. Pa- this past October was my ten year, and so we're we're heading up on eleven. And we just hit this week eighteen years in New York City. And so, as much as this bitch has tried to kill me, I am still here. And she ain't got nothing to say. <laughs> now, when you say that, are you talking about New York or are you talking about the cancer or both? Kind of both. I mean, like, New York has a way of weaning out the people that can't hack it. And, um, you know, p- compound that with going through cancer at the same time. You know, it was just like this this double fuck that was like, Jesus, what is happening? Like, you know, but I, I, it's one of those things where it's like, you know what? I made it through that year. I can do anything. You know, it's my, it's my Brittany 2007 year. It's like, if I can get through that, I'm good. Speaking of survival, there's obviously as a cancer survivor, there is a different way of life before and after before, during and after I should say. And there were things that you were talking about, about the part that no one really wants to talk about, the part that people don't want to share, the facades that you know survive, people that are going through the cancer treatments has, have to put on, and of course, those that just refuse to say that they have it. What was it like to actually try to remove those finally be- during that time? Because there was a point where you said, I had to literally divorce myself yeah i it's it's um i'm trying to think like do you i'm trying to think of like action movies or something where like the hero is like holding on for dear life between like two different things that are moving in the opposite direction i heard you got spider-man you got (laughs) sure great cool i'm not nearly as cool as either of you um but it's but it's like that you know like you're holding on to your your past and your future and your current reality and it's just ripping you in all different directions. And at some point you have to make the decision to let go or it's going to force you to. And it, when you're forced to, then you're going to be like ripped in half. So it's really like having that conscious moment of being like, this isn't, I'm not that person anymore. And I need to not be that person anymore. And so the person I was beforehand, who was like young and beautiful and traveling all over the country doing musical theater and then having that completely derailed into the hospital where I was like basically performing the role of cancer um you know for the benefit of my own survival and then of course like you know being around certain people you know with my my parents and my close friends like i could certainly let my hair down and be like whatever um but you know around doctors and nurses like i don't know why but for some reason i just wanted to appear like i was okay and a lot of that was for my own benefit too because i wanted to appear like i was okay to myself um and so like facade facade wise like I think that's kind of a 50-50 kind of conversation because there were definitely times where I was like, oh my God, everything's great. I'm doing great. Cancer who? Whatever. It's fine. 
Um, but there were also, you know, moments where I was completely not okay. Um, you know, obviously like the first day getting checked into the hospital was really super traumatic. And like, there were a lot of surprises that we weren't told about, like I was going into surgery and didn't know. And so that was a holy hot mess that I was being bombarded with and, and bamboozled about. And, um, you know, then I had a breakup, I had friends leave, I had, um, you know, my doctor telling me like things weren't going well. And so we don't know what to do. And like there were those moments where it's like, oh god, like there, no matter how hard you try to hold that facade up, it's just not going to stand. And it's it's just kind of like coming to a point when it all comes to a head or when it's all over, where you just let go, and you get and then you get to decide what you do moving forward. Which explains a lot to the to the sense of why you started the the entire thing with. Um, not being a part of the hit show musical called Six. <laughs> which yep. you are not a part of at all. I am not a part of. Lives, is all that I know. He, made it really clear yes, he under I'm not. the circumstances, is he? I think it's all no if if anything at all i'm henry the eighth like i'm a big bitch like i could totally pass as henry the eighth no problem like <laughs> well yeah th there's that too but i i just love it how you started out of divorced beheaded survived not a state to, not to state the obvious but i am not directly associated with the broadway smash hit musical six i am not in the broadway smash hit musical the hit musical six nor am i one of the fabulous wives of henry the eighth in the broadway smash hit musical six see that's like when when you you know your kids come to you and they're like hey did you take my candy or your siblings and it's like dude i would never do that i absolutely did not as it's in your hand it's like no i absolutely yeah I mean, except for except for it's not in my hand, and I wish it was. <laughs> I was about to say, so if if you were not involved in the hit musical six, if you had the chance to be part of it, which wife would you be? Oh God, um, I would probably want to be, uh, <sighs> Catherine Howard. I think why. First of all, her song is great. <laughs> um, but just because she's ha she had such a she has such a great story arc in history of being like, I mean, okay, so the version of this that I heard, yeah, so Catherine Howard is the one I'm thinking of. Um, she was like this very beautiful young girl that like all these men came around and took advantage of. And, um, you know, I resonate with that. And, uh, you know, like the way that her song goes throughout the show is brilliant because she starts out being like um, i'm pretty and men like me and then they all take advantage of her and take what they want and leave her and so by the time she meets henry she thinks it's like gonna be different and then there's one other person that she has befriended within the court that she's like oh we're just friends it's cool but then he goes for her too and by the end of the song she's just like she has a complete meltdown by the end of the song and, and the way that I've seen it done is brilliant. Cause it's like, it's like watching a car, watching a car crash. Like it starts out really fun and she's like, Oh, it's just, I'm so pretty. And then at the end she's like, don't fucking touch. Sounds me. like cancer. It's, and it's like, and in three minutes, like it's, it's so brilliantly done, but yes, it is very much like, like that in the sense that I started out feeling like a pretty little girl, like down and doing the cancer sitch. Um, until it became a fucking car crash at the end where it was like, oh God, like, I just let this be over. <laughs> Lots of parallels there. <laughs> Everybody gets to that point. Like you just hit it and you're like somebody, one more thing happens and like shit's about to get real. Oh yeah. Or like you, you know, like the friend that you, that only reaches out for you when they want something. And then you're just finally like, you know what? Like, leave me alone. Like, stop it. So let's talk about how you came about learning that you were you had cancer, because it was considered one thing when you when you found this lump on your chest. It was called cat scratch fever, which, by the way, the dumbest statement. <laughs> the dumbest, especially and not just a Ted Nugent no, song. Ted Nugent song is good, yeah, but when you don't have ch cats. 
at all around you when you don't grow up with it's kind of bad to say that it's that anyways and you know it's a good doctor when you have a lump on your chest and they're like no definitely not any form of cancer or tumor is cat scratch fever it's cat scratch fever yeah i mean this guy was like old as shit i don't even know if he's still alive honestly. but um i wonder if i could look that up maybe he died um but yeah i mean it was it was just like this little lump that appeared under my arm and i went to him for you know whatever i was in the middle of rehearsals for stuff and you know he originally said it could be hodgkins and then i went and got a cat scan and he retracted that and said that it was more in line with an infection and could be cat scratch fever and put me on antibiotics and it was like that's not real like i grew up with i had cats in the house since i was a child like there's no real that's not real feral cats only like the ones that you see in the movies that are like gonna attack your face or something i don't think so although that is a good assumption but i think it has more to do with you as a human so like your body like builds up antibodies to being used to being around cats or something that something that they're carrying around i don't know fact check me i'm not a doctor (laughs) oh i'm googling it because now i want to know if there's just going to be a terrifying photo of like a mangy cat with one eye oh god because i assume that's what while she's looking that up the the idea that you were told one thing so minute in the sense that it can be taken care of easily with antibiotics to something that literally can kill you and possibly could have killed you if you had listened to him the idea here's the here's the, the reason why we're looking at it as this is a creative way of expressing what this is and how to deal with this because you started to call this lump on your chest that by the way was like getting bigger and bigger over a day easily seymour a sweet little guy named yeah, seymour feed me baby anyways um why put a spin on it like that it, just to be able to make fun of it to be able to deal with it why name it i mean long before the book i mean that actually happened you know like my friend brian and i met up in a bar after i went to an emergency room for a a ultrasound of the whole thing and um he was expecting me he'd been waiting i was texting i was like really sorry at the er i'm fine don't worry about it's cool um and we were i was telling him what was going on i hadn't really said anything to anyone yet and he he also has a dark sense of humor and just said to me he's like well we're gonna have to name it and so at that exact moment in the bar, like their little shop of horrors was playing on the TV and we literally just book- looked at each other and we were like, Seymour, that's it. And it really was a, a vehicle, a coping mechanism, essentially, you know, like to kind of deal with the fact that this was scary. I didn't know what it was. And so then to be able to kind of laugh about it was helpful at the time, you know, but it was, um, it was crazy i mean you know it was so big at that point and little did i know it was going to get bigger but at that point it was probably about the size of a a small tennis ball and uh you know i'm like walking around with like my arm adjusted to kind of you know make room for it (laughs) and uh yeah we named it just to kind of like i guess humanize it and make it less scary i think everybody does i think you know everybody always says that they have their own coping mechanisms. But I think one that everybody can kind of almost universally agree on is humor is the best way to deal with terrible situations. You, because you just, you need that little bit of, of like endorphin to go through you just to get you through the next day. And sometimes doing something like naming your, your tumor is it gets you through it and it helps. And it somehow brings the situation kind of more to a head in a different way. Totally. And not to be a total basic bitch, but like the live, laugh, love people, you know, like, I mean, sorry about it. It's stupid, but it's real. And like, that does actually help. So, you know, and and here's the other way. It's easier to put on a divorce paper when you actually get it, when, when it's finally said and done. And that way they get, you know, absolutely nothing when they leave. So. I was going to say, that was a very weird, a very specific thing to bring in. Beheaded (laughs) survival. It was just, it was, we're already like, what? And we're like 15 conversations in at this point since he last said that? Like, it's called comedy. I mean, it's, 
Bring back. It's it's a it. Hmm. No, he's right. It's a callback. He's right. Um, it just was. Yeah, it just. Well, your videos really need work today. You are. Not doing this. I've had a, this is what I've happened. Had a day, okay. Leave me alone. Oh, it's okay, Mac. I'll be. I'll be a good second. There you um nice well, my third one's not having helping me right now anyways um uh-oh <laughs> all right so so would i be your fourth sure we'll go with that oh, oh boy secrets there okay okay <laughs> I, I have my wife i have my work wife oh i see okay I cool 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 Oh come on! It's not like you have. I gotta say, I I I go to the office with my husband all the time. I don't do that work. I am not a jealous person. I am what I like to call a territorial person, and so therefore, um, I don't do that. Is like, that not? Is that not the no, same thing? No, jealousy. Jealousy means you don't have trust in the person and that they're not actually yours. But this is my, I'm like it's like a kingdom. You know what I mean? And like you gotta protect your kingdom. Like this is my kingdom. Yeah. If Henry the Eighth were a woman, okay, his name would be Chester. My man, Ben. Right, she's over there in her office, like beheading everyone. This, except this is a technology world, which means I already got that shit down. So, I got will it, got disconnect it, got it, got it. you from this conversation. I will erase you from existence. <laughs> like you will just still be there, but have nothing. That's the. Oh no! She, she has the uh, the exactly. paperwork Allegedly. dealing with diplomatic immunity, so that she can get away with that stuff. Interesting. You Interesting. can totally come on my side, Edward. I'm going to need assistance and stuff, so then you can also have diplomatic immunity. Amazing. Okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> what do I need immunity from? <laughs> if you're involved with Chelsea, there's going to be some immunity needed. Oh boy! I'm a delight. I'm a um a ray of sunshine. We can Same. tell so much right there, definitely. No. All right, so let's get back to the book. Back to the book. Back to the book. When you were going through and you're writing, because this is a lot of this is something that a lot of people really struggle with when in terms of naming their chapters, naming their book. Titles in general are just really difficult to come up with sometimes, depending on how your creativity works. Um, when you were coming up with the titles for each chapter, what made you pick those specific musicals that were attached to them? Um, I think it was kind of like some of them were obvious to me, right? Like some, like obviously the one with Seymour and Little Shop of Horrors, like that right. was obvious. Um, and that title, I, I think for the most part, I wrote the title or came up with the title for each chapter before I even wrote it. I think I had an idea of what I wanted um, because I was pulling from a musical. I had to reference it. And so I already knew what the context was going to be. So for like for something like, you know, the, the chapter, The Worst Pies in London, that comes from Sweeney Todd. The whole thing is about making pies and whatnot. And so the the story of me meeting... Uh, running into my friend outside of the little pie company on uh, 43rd Street, you know, like that just made sense to me. And so for, because of what happened there, he is a villain. And so who, who is a villain in Sweeney Todd? Well, that's Beetle. And so like, he's the conniving kind of in-between guy that is like not a good person. Um, and so it made sense. And what's funny about that too, is I believe that the judge, Judge Turpin, who is also um a, a villain a very bad man within the show the person that i assigned that role was an ex of mine who worked in politics and so it was like you know it just made sense to assign these people these roles right and that's you know he i don't think he was originally going to be in that chapter but because of the theme of that chapter it made sense to put him there because of that character so there was a lot of like just kind of pointing pointing to reality and us and um understanding how i can adhere the non-reality to it makes sense makes sense so i'm, I'm presuming it's the yeah. same way when you were giving new names to the people that actually helped you and supported you as well during this time oh yeah 
Yeah, like my my oncologist is Mame Dennis. You know, Mame is like Mame is a musical, obviously, and Mame was a badass. She was like this really fabulous woman, and so you know, my oncologist would wear like these big tops with like these like arm sleeve necklaces and like or armlesses. I don't know what you'd even call it. It was like a little cuff that she'd wear on her arm with like these giant heels and mini skirts, and she was just dressed to death every single day. Um, and so when I was picking characters, I was like, well, that makes sense. So we're going to go with that. <laughs> Makes sense. And I think it's really cool how you did that because not only did you keep into the theme of musicals, but also giving specific personalities to from these, uh, connecting personalities from these characters from these musicals to the people that actually were there to support you or to those that were there to be considered more of the toxicity within your story yeah and and lucky for me you know every musical has a villain it was kind of easy to to figure that out you know and like my um my first oncologist was zach from chorus line and you know that oncologist zach isn't a bad guy but he's like the person that's in charge and kind of has a, a bad attitude and and the one that people are like listening to and like bowing down to and doing what he says to do um, you know, until the end when like Cassie comes and she asks for the job because she's down and out and he eventually gives it to her. Um, but to me, that story arc was like, you know, this oncologist was the person who was in charge that everyone was listening to and buzzing around and, and doing all the things that she was asking. And then when it came down to it, when I asked her to leave and let me go get a second opinion and give me my medical files, she eventually did give it to me. So like that was that was my idea of making her that character and i did that throughout the whole book for the most deuteronomy which i thought was still an interesting name to give somebody (laughs) i mean it's a character it's a character in in the in the musical cats (laughs) very much so very much so so now that we've uh come to the point of the show where we always ask our guests three big questions because they're always going to be different what is your writing kryptonite? Oh, I'm trying to think of what I said last time. Oh no. <laughs> Damn it. Um Oh, I remember what I said. No, I remember what I said. Okay, my writing kryptonite is sticking to the idea. You know, I like get I start something and I have a r- really great energy and momentum behind it and then I just hit a point where like maybe I have to do a little bit more digging into what I want the end result to be and then I just kind of like let it sit for a while. Um that did not happen with this book but that has happened with a lot of other projects that I'm that I have on my on my hard drive that I just started and really love and will eventually get back to but it was like okay I'm going to need to do a little bit more work here before whatever and then you get busy you get distracted and you know it just sits there for a little bit but it'll it'll happen but that is that is my weak spot. I think it's always it's terrible momentum for me is always huge like i think i have everybody always do you have one of those uh like do you trash a project like if you decide uh this isn't working out do you just throw it away no i archive it and then i will go back to it later (laughs) i can't i hate the people that say they throw it away i'm like you don't understand just because that story didn't work doesn't mean it's not for something else like just because it's not right now i have like oh what do i i have limbo i have a folder it's just called limbo and it's everything that i started for a, a particular story but didn't work and it's just in there but we had there was somebody we had on here that was like no i just i just throw it away and i'm like oh yeah what, what are you talking about what do you mean you throw it away how much time goes into all of this stuff that you that you've written that you just you just deleted it and like you're okay now like that's i i can't do that no. i think i would yeah i i have a i have a writing folder of stuff that i never like that i haven't really gone back to um it's uh yeah i mean it's it's just like these documents of like things that i started or ideas or things that maybe i'll i'll visit back eventually but i what i do think is really interesting about that the idea of keeping everything versus throwing it away is that you know like even if the whole thing isn't good there's probably stuff in there that you can copy cut paste into something else that maybe works you know like 
I this this is kind of a new stupid fucking concept to me that like I should have seen and I think we all should have seen but like my fucking brain didn't register it but someone said to me last year that words are spells like magic spells that's why we call it spelling how do you spell that mm-hmm. like how do you spell mm-hmm. that and that never occurred to me ever and I was like oh fuck I love that <laughs> And so I think throwing away words that you've put down is just like bad juju. Yeah, no one wants to put a spell on anybody here. Um, no, it's a, it's bad. It's bad magic. Well, you know, like, true. Don't throw Very it away. True. So, what is a quote, or in this case, a lyric that really is helps you to get through everything, especially the cancer? I remember this one. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, so there is a musical called Secret Garden, and it was the first Broadway cast recording that anyone in my family ever, well, maybe not the first, but it was one of the first couple that we had gotten as kids. And there's this brilliant 11 o'clock number in the middle of Act Two called Hold On that the uh, chambermaid sings to the little girl when everything just seems like shit. And the song is called Hold On. And that has been, like, a running theme throughout history of my family, like, ever since we were children. And, you know, when I moved to New York, that was kind of my theme song because I was scared and I was 18 and had no money or friends and didn't know what the fuck I was doing. And I just figured it out. Um, but then also, like, my little sister went through some some stuff that was really rough for her and took a, took a while. But that was kind of the thing that I had impressed upon her to be like, hey, you know, like, just you know how it is like just go go listen to this every day if you have to and it'll get you through and um you know so when i went through my first round of chemo it was right before christmas and so for christmas my little sister took this photo of the two of us and had it printed on a canvas and like like you know uh paper mache around i don't know what it is there's like texture to it um and painted and she had the lyrics of this printed around the border of it And the line, again, the song is called Hold On, but the line in question is, it's this storm, not you, that's bound to blow away. And that has always been a thing with the family. It has been like the sole and only tattoo idea that I've had in my whole life that I actually might go and get. I had my whole family in 2015 write in their own handwriting, Hold On. And they took a picture of it and they sent it to me. And what I want to do is I want to link all of their handwriting of hold on around my forearm on my left hand, because I'm left-handed. Um, and it would just be like this really cool, like tip of the hat to the musical, what it means to my whole family and how much it's got gotten us through together. I love that. Brilliant idea. Hmm. Yeah. I'm going to do it. I like, I think the more I talk about it the, and think about it, because my friend Sally Kate and I were talking about tattoos the other day. She's, she's going to get another one. I think I might go with her and get it done. <laughs> I want pictures. Pic- I, yeah, yeah, like I want a picture. I want, I want to see because I think it would be really cool. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, yeah, bitch, go do it. Yeah. And it and going through it's going to be easy for you since you've already went through surgery, you've already dealt with cancer. That's the easy. It, you right, might fall asleep fine. to it. It's like, are you guys done already? Uh, I mean, right. This is very relax. This is very relaxing. Say, as somebody who got <laughs> tattoos years ago. When I first got them, there was none of this pansy numbing cream that everybody gives now. This was like, all right, are you ready? Because this is going to yep. suck for the next two hours. And that's what you did. Right. But now it's like, would you like a, a a numbing cream or a numbing spray? And I'm like, are you kidding? What? Yeah, numb, numb me up. I don't want to feel It doesn't hurt that bad. When I did my ribs, my ribs hurt. Like, it hurt really bad. But oh, yeah. God, it was numb. I've heard that. Yeah, I mean, and I, I've I've thought about this a lot too because like I don't even want to go to the dentist unless you're oh, gonna yeah, numb me up. Like I don't care if you're just I don't even care if you're if you're brush, even if you're just cleaning my teeth, <laughs> lidocaine me, like put me out, like I don't care because I and and it took me a long time to kind of recognize this, but like it's not even a pain threshold thing because I have a huge pain threshold, but it's more of like a personal like body yeah. trauma thing that is related to cancer like i've gone through so much this fucking body has gone through so much shit because of cancer that like if i can avoid putting myself through any other kind of body trauma i'm gonna do it and so going to the dentist i'm like just knock me out like do i need to show up hammered what do i need to do don't do that because like i don't want 
I don't want to feel it. I don't want to know, you know, like I agree. I used to be so fine. And then I went and I used to donate blood all the time because I'm O negative, which is like apparently a big deal. And so um, I would go and I would donate blood and this one girl stopped it. So I became that way because she went to put the needle in and she was shaking so hard. And I was like, Hey, um, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, I'm doing great. How are you? I was like, well, you know, just to get a rather large needle and you're about to shove it into my arm and you're trembling. And she goes, Oh no, it's the coffee. It'll wear off. I'm like, that's not how coffee works. And she was like, no, honey, just like squeeze the ball thing. So I did. And she literally went, so she went into my arm and back out, like up my arm because she was like, she had me bend my arm slightly for some reason. And I was like, I've done this like 50 times. I don't think this is right. And she goes, no, I've been doing this for like six months now. And I'm like, oh, six months. Have you been doing it for six months? That's lovely. But I have scars now from when she went. And because she was shaking, she stabbed me like three times. And she's like, oh, let me get somebody else. I was like, no, it's okay. I'm leaving. Like, I'm done. Oh, no. no. It was the worst thing ever. And it's nothing compared to, to cancer or anything. But it makes it so I don't go near needles now. I'm like, no. You'll look. You'll love this story, and then we'll get back to to Max's third question here. But like m- during, <laughs> sorry, we keep derailing this whole thing. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, th- during my stem cell collection, the both times, well, all the times that I did it, um, you're on a dialysis machine, right. right? So like you have one arm is output, the other arm is back input. And they send everything through the dialysis machine and they do the centrifuge thing and they take what they need and then they pump back what they don't. And the needle that they use for collection was like a Bic pen. Oh my God. It was, and it was metal. And my biggest veins are right in the crease of my elbow. So, and it's like, it's this big juicy vein. Nurses love me anytime they're like, okay. And I pull it out. They're like, oh, I love you. (laughs) Because it's so easy for them. It's just this big throbby vein. This is also starting to sound inappropriate. Um, (laughs) This big throbby vein in my arm. Um, And they they shove the needle in. And then you can't bend. I couldn't bend my arm for like the four or five hours that I was on the machine. I had to like tie my wrist down to the, to the chair arm so that I wouldn't bend it. Cause like the whole time I'm just like on my phone over here, this side is plastic. So that's fine. But like this one, if you bend it, you can rip your vein, which causes a whole other slew of problems. And it was like multiple days upon days of having this like massive needle shoved into my vein, right where I couldn't you can't do like anything. bend Yeah, I would arm. have to strap down too. I wouldn't think. Yeah. I would just be like, oh, those itches. And no. then- yeah. Yeah. And that's also kind of like another another point I guess that isn't really talked about. Some of the, some of those things where you have to like be actively paying attention to what your body is doing cuz you can't move or you have to be aware of something like that's exhausting. You know, like you're on this machine for like 4 or 5 hours a day for a week while like the hormones that they give you are like pumping stem cells out of your system into your bloodstream to collect them. And then, like, you have to sit there and actively pay attention to the fact that you're not bending your arm, which doesn't sound hard. But when you're doing it for four or five hours at a time, it it gets difficult and you're, it's tiring. And you like you they pulled the needle out and you go back to your room and you're just like, oh, like no one talked to me. I'm so tired. Yeah, I never would have thought of that. Like, I've, I've you know, seen movies and I've never in my life, I've had people that had cancer in my life, but it was during COVID where you can't go and see anybody and you can't do anything like that. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it so it's happened, just like hey, how are you doing? So and it's like, no, I'm good now. And I'm like, oh. Right. Unless they're dead. Well, yeah, that, then it, it feels more like it. it but right. I mean, <laughs> I mean, my grandpa this went extremely dark so real I mean, quick. Listen. <laughs> Max is just rolling his eyes. I know. He's just. <laughs> We're not doing good this time. Fit, fit to be tied. He hates both of us. <laughs> We're all fired. <laughs> See, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to have to edit some of this out <laughs> just to be on time on the audio part. Audio part. Oh my god. LL. However, this entire video is going up on YouTube. Oh, absolutely. just the way it is. Thank God. Well, now that we. <laughs> 
I don't even think we have to ask that final question of what's next because there not may not be a next time. Truly, this. no. I'm I'm so glad. I'm <laughs> eternally grateful for you guys because I woke up this morning not feeling the best, and now I'm like I'm great. I, everything's good. Um. Okay. What's next for me? Literally today. Um. Today being the fifth of June. Um. My friend Sarah and I dropped a new podcast. It's called I Want to Be a Rich Bitch. It's really fun. It is entertainment industry centered, but it is also just kind of us talking about like being badasses and the things that we're doing and the things that are coming up. I'm in the middle of um, adapting this book for TV. And so that's going to be a commentary on it as well. She's constantly working um, as not only an actor, but a writer and producer and director. And like, she's absolutely brilliant. She and her boyfriend, Michael, are uh mike are just such a dream team to know and to be friends with and so i'm super grateful that she and i kind of conceptualized this podcast together and that is new and out today um the next thing that is coming up for me is pride weekend here in new york so that's the last weekend in june i have a billboard in times square that is going to be featuring my face 33 feet high 55 feet wide um for my book i just submitted all of those digital assets yesterday to them and so i'm excited about that yes that face that book all of those things <laughs> i love that you have them so are we yeah anyway i know um and then of course like after the billboard of it all i want to try and finish the audiobook that i set out to be done with in december and it's now june and it's not done um and then December still isn't here yet. Right, right. That's okay. that's what I meant. I meant December 2023. <laughs> um, but then that and of course like the adaptation for TV and getting into pre-production with that and making sure that we have all the the money and the names and the process and the things where I'm working with a couple really great people right now who are helping me with that. And so hopefully that will be kind of like an end of the year situation. But we'll see. I'm like, I'm just really excited about this. I think for the first time in like my creative life, I have a thing that it's like, yep, this is where we're going and I can see it and it's happening and it feels good. That's exciting. Can't wait to see. Same. Even though it'll be a musical, I'll still watch it. Those are your reparations. Mm. Yeah. Well. <laughs> An extended number of years that I will not disclose of not liking and watching musicals this is how i pay my debt yeah i'm telling you i'm t it's it's really during pride month hating musicals is a hate crime <laughs> oh my god <laughs> you went so dark on that so one <laughs> i am personally offended uh for the on behalf of the gay community <laughs> that seems like a very large step but i i Feel like it's not a large step. Have you tried to fuck with us before? It doesn't go well. <laughs> no, why would I ever I, well, do that? Now I know no, I know. I'm just going to be I'm just uh, canceled. It's not because of me. It's because of her. <laughs> the gays are coming. <laughs> oh, man. We're so screwed. Not in a good way. I mean, I can't even be mad because I feel like that would be the best time in the world. But and also, it's fine because Mac is the only person that's safe on this conversation. Like, black yeah. people are coming for me because he made me look bad, <laughs> and the gays are coming for you. And so, you know, she stands alone here. <laughs> I mean, I gotta say, I feel like the gays would love me because I can bake and make amazing drinks, and I have a pool that you can mope under a waterfall. And I live in Florida. I mean, they'll just kill you and take your pool because we can do all of those other things. I feel like they take my husband. Corey Correct. is too adorable. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I'm be like, well, Corey will hang out. <laughs> I mean, Smart has a pool. Well, that's he's got black hair and blue eyes. Oh, like, God, okay, yes. now we're going to the point yes, where like I know. I gotta end this. I have to get get him on get oh, him on this God. show. Okay. <laughs> Chelsea, you're you're dismissed. Like... Bring the oh, husband in. <laughs> I mean I can't even be mad. Well, thank you, Edward, for being on the show. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, I uh I sense a tone <laughs> of regret. I sense I sense a tone of regret here from Mac, who's standing in a closet of some yeah, sort, um, yeah. which is appropriate for Pride Month. So you know that. I was waiting for it. it. 
So it's time. See, it's it time to say goodbye. Out. Chelsea's gonna bring her husband in, and Max's gonna get out of the closet, <laughs> and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna get a head start on this run I'm about to take. <laughs> it's a walk-in closet because of the fact that my family's in the other area that I normally do my recording. So, kind of had to do it. No choice. Anyways, aren't all closets walk? All closets are walk-in. Oh. <laughs> Here comes the. Live, laugh, laugh. Here love. comes the jokes. Here <laughs> comes the jokes. There's just so much love and support on this podcast today. There's, there's a lot of yeah. things that are on this podcast today that I'm really wondering <laughs> if I can actually creatively cut from this part uh, to hit time. I believe in you. I believe in you. No, that's what YouTube is for. Everybody can go on and watch it, and then we're gonna have Edward back again. Well, and you can also you can also put this you can also put this in like a paywall situation, so people have to pay for this episode. Well, that oh my god, yes, just so they just see the they get the super fun quotes of you know the the mob going after <laughs> and the big juicy throbbing <laughs> in my arm. My thoughts exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh uh, Max gonna pull the plug he's no, so tired of us. That. I'm, I'm just thinking of like all the things that people are going to be saying about the show now because it's just went into a totally different galaxy no, oh my gosh I think all I think this is, is I think the title of this episode is actually just no no no, no no <laughs> and I'm afraid <laughs> Throw the no, it's just the people that got out of hand because it works. Here's the problem. Way. I put those as keywords. We're going to be on a totally different level of audience members. <laughs> and they're not. Thank God. <laughs> it's oh, it was going to be such a good, good yeah. interview. I feel like we have to have Edward back every week because it's Pride Month. And. He's going to tell us all about his plans and keep us updated, and we'll stay on par just like we did today. Yes. About 40 minutes worth of this show is probably going to have to get cut just to make it. <laughs> no. It won't be thrown away. It just. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The scenes you don't want to miss. Yes, I like it. Exclusive. This... Very expensive. <laughs> Not allowed to air online. Right. If you've if you're watching this, you've paid a pretty penny for this show. Yeah, thank you for that too, by the way. So until next time, folks. Thank you for seeing us. We appreciate you. We love you, and uh, keep inspiring people. Oh God. Hey, folks. That's a wrap for this episode of Beyond the Pen. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed creating it. If you'd like to stay connected and up to date with everything Beyond the Pen, follow us on Twitter at Beyond the Pen Pod and Instagram at Beyond the Pen Podcast. For even more content and exclusive access to our guest profiles and more, make sure to visit our website at beyondthepenpodcast.com. Don't forget to join our Facebook fan page to interact with our favorite authors and fellow fans of the show. And if you want to take your Beyond the Pen experience to the next level, check out our selection of video interviews on Traverse TV's video on demand and live stream. You can access these interviews through your Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, Google Play, iTunes, or the Traverse TV app. So until next time, thanks again for tuning in and remember to keep writing inspiring and sharing as you go beyond the pen. <laughs>